0: You'd have to be a lily livered, no good, two time and dog faced pony soldier to even begin to suggest that Joe Biden is in a state of cognitive decline. Well, Biden did an interview just the other day with Yahoo News, so this is not exactly a right wing outlet, but the journalist raised the question Is Joe Biden taking cognitive tests? Is he in cognitive decline? And Joe Biden kind of proved the point of the question.
1: Have you taken a cognitive test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump
2: who brags about his test and makes your mental (laughs) state an issue for voters?
1: Well... If he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward-looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, it, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't. I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical mental fi- my physical as well as my mental fi-
0: fitness Come on man come on you think that guy might might be missing a step or two might be a couple couple bulbs short of a pack might be uh, a couple fries short of a happy meal I don't know I'm using a lot of <laughs> I'm using a lot of metaphors here. The point is Joe Biden's obviously in mental decline, okay? And you don't need to take my word for it and you don't need to take the suggestions of the journalists or, or the president for that matter because Joe Biden actually told us months ago that he does regularly take cognitive tests. Have you been tested for some degree of cognitive decline?
1: I've been testing and I'm constantly testing. All all I gotta do is watch me and I can hardly wait to compare my cognitive capability to the cognitive capability of the man I'm running against.
0: In Joe's defense, it seems pretty clear that he forgot what he said just a couple months ago, right? You just chalk it up, chalk it up to forgetfulness. Joe Biden's forgetting his own mental decline. Come on, man. Forgetfulness is the whole strategy here. The Democrats want you to forget not just what Joe Biden said a few months ago, what Joe Biden has been saying and doing for his whole career. The whole premise of Joe Biden winning, leading in the polls rather, winning right now if the election were held today, according to the pollsters, is that nobody's seen or heard from Joe Biden beyond a one or two minute snippet for six months. We'll remind them. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come on, man, I'm forward looking to this episode. I can't wait to exhibit my own cognitive powers uh, in this episode. And I don't wanna forget things. I wanna remind people of what Joe Biden uh, is, not just right now, what he's been for his whole career. First though, got to uh, point out my favorite comment on the YouTubes yesterday. This is from MCT Fly, referring to Democratic Senator Hirono, who stormed out of that, that meeting yesterday. Where, or two days ago, rather, when Senator Cruz was grilling her on whether or not she could de- condemn Antifa, said, Hirono is such a great example of masking one's ignorance with arrogance. That's a great observation. You, a- you actually just saw Uh, Joe Biden do that in the previous clip. You see him, the the moment he's called out and says, Joe, you don't seem like you're too with it these days. You seem like you don't know a whole lot of stuff and you're a little bit slow. What does he do? He starts laughing at the guy, derisively, starts mocking him, calls him a junkie for some reason, then talks about the difference between an elephant and a lion. And he goes, obviously goes downhill from there but what he's pushing forward is this arrogance Joe Biden famously did this in the vice presidential debate when he was running against Romney Ryan when he was when he was debating Paul Ryan there Ryan would make generally good points and then Joe Biden would just laugh in his face and you see a lot of people do this especially just in the pop culture what they'll do is they'll they'll say you know left wingers who confront their first conservative and a conservative says you know I think maybe men aren't women or you know I think babies might Actually, be babies, or you know, I think George Washington was kind of good, or or whatever, you know, stating basic facts. And the left, rather than engage, will usually just laugh at them, scoff at them, say, "Oh, you idiot, you rube, you don't know science, you don't, you're, you're not educated, you're a bitter clinger, you're a deplorable, irredeemable." But that that is an arrogance that is masking one's own ignorance, and it doesn't play very well, even among what that group we've called for the past few days, the silenced majority of Americans. There's a representative, I think, of that that big group in the middle who is really souring on Joe. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I've got to thank our friends over at LifeLock. You know, a criminal scheme involving nearly 50,000 falsified unemployment insurance claims has been discovered by Maryland state officials. This scam adds up to more than $500 million in claims. While it is capitalizing upon the hardships caused by COVID, the fraud involved in identity theft from previous security breaches is only mounting. Maryland isn't alone. Other states are experiencing similar unemployment fraud. Every day, we put a ton of our information on the internet, right? No matter what you're doing, your phone on your computer, we put all that information out there. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Good thing there is LifeLock. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but I trust these guys. I rely on these guys. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Right now, join up, save up to 25% off your first year. It's a great discount at a good time, especially when we're spending a lot more time even than usual on the internet. Go to LifeLock.com slash Knowles, That is LifeLock.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for 25% off. We're not the only ones noting Joe's mental decline. It started out, it was conservatives pointing this out, President Trump pointing this out. Now even mainstream journalists are starting to bring it up, like this Yahoo News guy. And then Joe Rogan, the most prominent podcaster on planet Earth, no right winger by any means. He was a Bernie bro during the primaries. Joe Rogan says it's pretty clear at this point that Biden is declining. And more importantly than that, there's a lot of voters in this country who maybe they don't love Trump, maybe they're not rock-ribbed Republicans, maybe maybe they don't have much of a political view at all. They're just not comfortable with a guy who can't pronounce basic words or string together an English sentence running the most powerful office in the world.
3: I believe there's an also large group of people that are very uncomfortable with a man who seems to be mentally compromised winning the election and doing so by hiding I mean, the guy's never, he was just at another thing the other day and he forgot where he was.
0: Yeah. And that happens all the time. He forgets where he is all the time and he forgot his own name. He forgot the name of God and the declaration of independence. He forgets a lot. The democratic party though is capitalizing on this. They're relying on this. It's, it's not breaking news that Joe Biden has, has lost a few steps, but what I think people are not fully appreciating here is that forgetfulness is the name of the game. This is how the Democratic Party and the liberal establishment memory hole stories that they just want you to forget about. They've been doing it for decades, right? What they would do, the Clintons were most famous for this. There would be a scandal and they would deny, 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 and then finally when they couldn't deny it anymore, they'd say, well, that's old news. Oh, forget about that. Who cares? And then they'd bury it. The media would bury it. It, You know, nothing would be taught in history books. We just forget about these things. That's what the, the left has relied on for a long time. That's why the left rewrites history, is trying to erase historical figures. And in the case of Joe Biden, they're hiding him in a basement, right? He's, he is very rarely leaving his home. Every time he does any kind of media hit, there's some complete embarrassment where he's defending his own, his own cognitive strength by contradicting himself from a couple months ago and then not being able to finish the phrase mental fitness. So they've got to hide him. Joe Biden's poll numbers right now, if you trust the polls, are pretty good. They're good because people don't remember what and who Joe Biden is. That's something that the people have in common with Joe Biden himself. They don't remember who this guy is. Every time they see him, his numbers go down, which is not a good sign for a candidate. It it means that as the race gets hotter, if there are debates... Joe's numbers are going to continue to decline. Now, what the Democrats are banking on is that Joe's got such a lead right now, depending on which poll you look at, he's got a pretty substantial lead, that it will decline slow enough, (laughs) that Joe Biden perhaps himself might decline slow enough to get him over the finish line for November. And they're trying to do everything they can to preserve that by keeping the country shut down, keeping the economy shut down, canceling the conventions, and even trying to cancel the debates. So what is Joe Biden's strategy? He's in a little bit of a pickle because... You can't, when you're running for president, you do have to have a message to people. So what they're doing is they're relying on highly produced television ads. Joe Biden's campaign just announced on Wednesday that they've made the single largest ad buy in presidential campaign history ever. You know, they've got a fair bit of money on hand and they're not going to have to spend it on events. They're not going to have to spend it traveling around the country. They don't intend to travel anywhere. So they're putting what is an estimated $220 million into TV spots. Then on top of that, $60 million into digital and social media advertising. Probably the Biden campaign should have evened that out a little bit more in both political parties, but especially the Dems. They don't understand that internet marketing matters much, much more now. Digital marketing matters much, much more than TV. But in any case- they're going to try to mobilize older voters, and I, I suspect what they're going to do is try to mobilize people who might have called themselves moderate Republicans, who are much older. I think many people have have uh, family members like this who are who are just so put off by Trump's brashness that they are willing to vote for someone like Joe Biden, especially because Joe Biden is around their same age and they've known him for about 50, 50 years. So. That's a lot of money, and a lot of these ads are not going to be 30-second ads. They're going to be 60-second ads, so it'll just be Joe Biden in this perfectly manicured way for the the entire ad break in some cases. The Biden campaign signaled they were going to do this when they launched that podcast that no one listens to, but when you listen to the podcast, you realize, uh, which us professionals did have to do. Uh, you you see that they would reduce the spaces in between his words. They would speed up his language. They would obviously heavily edit out and take out all the weird stuff that he was saying in the meantime. So they're going to create this computer generated idea of a candidate who, who really does not have much bearing on Joe Biden himself. This is taking empty suit to a new level. This is taking Uh, just a sort of empty vessel of the Democratic Party and that difference between the ideology and the reality to a whole new level. So they still have this problem, which is that Donald Trump gets earned media. There's a difference between paid media when you buy ads and earned media when when the news covers you. Trump can get earned media whenever he wants. This has been true since the 80s, and it's especially true now that he's president. So the one thing I would say is, Republicans don't necessarily need to spend dollar for dollar and squander all their money on TV ads too because Trump is getting a lot more earned media and Biden has to rely on the TV ads because he's not going out anywhere, so he's not getting that earned media. What the Trump campaign could focus on a lot more than running a bunch of TV ads is pointing out relentlessly the reality of Joe Biden, not the the manicured, contrived thing of of the 30 second or 60 second TV ads, but the real Joe Biden. And the real Joe Biden right now is seriously considering an actual communist to be his running mate. An actual out and out communist. I mean, she denies it, but they all deny it. But Karen Bass, the head of the Congressional Black Caucus, is a commie. There's just no two ways about it, okay? This woman volunteered with a commie group in the 70s. She was partially a leader of that group uh, to go down to Fidel Castro's Cuba and support the the Castro regime. Even in the past few years, she's spoken very highly of Fidel Castro. She's spoken very highly of Marxist organizations such as Black Lives Matter. She is uh, a, a close associate and supporter of the founders of Black Lives Matter, who are quote unquote trained Marxists. When I confronted her about this on television, she lied about it through her teeth, denied knowing these people. And now news just broke out that uh, Karen Bass just three years ago, very, very recently, uh, gave a eulogy for the funeral of O'Neill Marion Cannon. Don't know who that is? O'Neill Marion Cannon was for decades a leader of of the Communist Party USA, she not only gave this commie a eulogy, but she referred to him as a friend and mentor, which should not surprise anybody. What the left is going to try to do, if Karen Bass continues to to rise up in the possibility of being, or the probability of being a VP pick, is they're going to say, oh, look, her radicalism, that was in the 70s. That was 50 years ago, for goodness sakes. Forget about it. Don't forget about it. It wasn't 50 years ago. It was three years ago that she was eulogizing some of the biggest commie leaders in the United States, and she's still supporting commie organizations. Trump, I don't know if the Trump campaign has figured this out yet, but I know that President Trump himself certainly has. Trump has come out and stated this problem explicitly. He was asked uh, recently on Fox and Friends about Black Lives Matter, and he said without pulling any punches, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization.
3: Nobody's done for the black community, African-American community, what I've done. And I will tell you, uh, they had Black Lives Matter. Where did it start? Marching down streets, screaming, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. They were talking about policemen, policemen and women, Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. So all of a sudden, this has taken on this air of uh, great respectability. Well, how does it start there? It's a Marxist group it's a marxist group that is not looking for good things for our country and now i see these leagues all kneeling down and again nobody has done more for the black community by far i always say nobody other than i'll give the one exception abraham lincoln okay but even that i mean to be honest with you but nobody has done more than I have. But when I see people kneeling during the playing and disrespecting our flag and disrespecting our national anthem, what I do personally is turn off the game.
0: I love this, this caveat. Okay, maybe I'm the best president for black people, maybe other than Abraham Lincoln. Although frankly, even him, I don't know. Okay, moving on. (laughs) And so I love that. I mean, obviously this is entertaining stuff. He's calling into a top rated morning show. People are listening to this, but crucially what he's doing here, he's not just throwing attacks at his political opponents or the BLM movement, which is, it's important that he's recognizing how radical left the BLM movement is, but he's reminding people of history. History is the key here. The forgetfulness is the key here. The left hates History. That's why they want to rewrite history. And when they don't rewrite history, they want to erase history. And when they're not erasing history books, they're desecrating and tearing down historical statues, historical figures. Not even just the really bad ones, you know, the ones who sided with the Confederacy or something like that. They're pulling down George Washington. They're pulling down Thomas Jefferson. Because they have a narrative. They have this narrative that America was racist and terrible from the beginning. And it's awful, and and no one should support it, and we've got to get away from that history and overturn that history and liberate ourselves from the oppressive past. Then we can move forward into the progressive future. Now, anybody who actually reads the Founding Fathers, anybody who looks into their lives will find out that what the left is saying is complete BS. The Founding was not racist, wasn't racist at all. The institution of slavery existed. Obviously, that institution complicates American history, but to call the founders and the founding racist or bigoted or oppressive or whatever is absurd. It's not defensible if you know the history. So what does the left do? They want to erase the history. And and here's what Trump does in a very, very practical way. Trump is so good at this, at painting pictures, at creating images in your minds. That's why when when he was talking about the, the, the other candidates in 2016, he would create these images. So he'd talk about you talk about how little Marco's always sweating, right? You remember he used to go back, ah, oh, that little Marco, he's always sweating. I know he always likes to drink water. He's always sweating. You thought, why is he going after him for perspiration? Well, he's doing it to create this image of a, of a young politician who's nervous, who's not confident, who maybe isn't so, so sure of what he's saying. Jeb Bush, he called low energy Jeb. He didn't call him moderate Jeb or squishy Jeb or liberal Jeb, no. Low energy. It creates such an image of this guy who's just, he's just a little lethargic. He's not going to be able to take the fight to Washington. All these kinds of images would come up. Crooked Hillary. It's, It's an image of a crook. Even the idea of something being crooked. It's not quite straight. It's not quite right. And that's what he's doing here. He says, you remember BLM? He doesn't talk about the origins of BLM at the meeting of Patrice Colors and Opal Tometi and Alicia Garza getting funded by the Open Society Foundation, which is run by George Soros. He's not talking, that's way too technical. He says, you remember BLM was founded, they were marching down the streets saying, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, because that happened. We saw that video. That creates a hideous, ugly image. It's an image that actually took place, by the way, when BLM was founded. So that's where our mind goes. That's what we have to remind people of. We have to remind people of not just Joe Biden, though. we should bring up his words and his sayings and his role in history too, but the whole history of the left, of the Democratic Party. Because people don't remember, especially with this 24-hour, forget 24-hour, now 24-minute news cycle, things are changing so fast, people forget about this kind of thing. And it's very easy then to rewrite the past, to erase the past and move forward into these ridiculous leftist ideologies. The the greatest example of this recently, the most preposterous, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey is very, very terrible. She is a very bad force in America. She, her views on religion are heretical. Her views on politics are outrageous and damaging. Her, her deification in the media is nauseating. She's a a horribly negative influence in American culture. And Oprah Winfrey, true to form, comes out and weighing in on this question of race that we all have to talk about every four years because Democrats think they can win some votes if they gin up racial tensions. Oprah Winfrey playing her part in doing just that comes out and uh, from atop her throne of $2.6 billion dollars tells people that if you're white, you have privilege. If you're black, you're oppressed. If you're white, no matter how poor you are, you have privilege because there's a caste system in America and race can never be overcome. Here is the billionaire, world famous Oprah Winfrey complaining about how oppressed she is.
2: There are white people who are not as powerful as the system of white people, the caste system that's been put in place, but they still, no matter where they are on the rung or the ladder of success, they still have their whiteness.
3: As white people, we, we even the poorest of the poor, I feel, still has a leg up, um, and it's Yeah. And the leg up is what I was
2: saying. You still have your whiteness. That's what the, that's what the term white privilege is. It means that whiteness still gives you an advantage no matter what.
0: That's it. How many books have been written about this? Sold zillions of copies that if you're white, you get so much privilege. You, you get so many advantages. You get, I'm sure you get advantages in schooling, right? You get advantages in, in applying to college. You get advantages in hiring, don't you? You get Oh, wait a second. You don't, you get disadvantaged. You get, it's exactly the opposite of what she says. We only have one system of legal racial discrimination in this country. It's called affirmative action and it disadvantages white people and Asian people. How Asian people got thrown into the mix. I have no idea, but unfortunately they through no fault of their own, I don't think they were complicit in, were they complicit in American slavery? I don't think so. But anyway, they get disadvantaged too. And actually people of other races, including black, Hispanic, they are privileged. They are advantaged in a system of legal racial discrimination. That's the reality of it. Some poor guy in Appalachia is not more privileged than Oprah Winfrey because he's a little less tan. It's preposterous on its face. It's outrageous. It's, I, I think it's dishonest because I don't think Oprah Winfrey is so stupid to actually believe the nonsense that she's spouting. So I think it's disingenuous. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's lying because otherwise she's profoundly stupid and ignorant. And I don't think that could be the case. I don't think she became a billionaire queen of all media by accident. I think this is a cynical campaign that is premised on you forgetting Everything that's actually around you, forgetting not just your history, but even the the present state of the law. It's so corrosive. And it's corrosive, not not just that it's unfair to white and Asian applicants to college or to jobs or or anything like that. It's unfair to the people it privileges, too. There's this line that the left always talks about. They say, until we have racial equality, nobody is free. Right? That, that actually inequality disadvantages even the people who are privileged because we live in this unjust society. Well, that, that's certainly the case here because even if there are legal privileges to being black or Latino when you're applying to colleges or jobs, the very fact that we are now told that, that, we, that we are now telling children that they can't succeed because of the color of their skin. That's an ugly thing that will hurt their lives. That That da- is about the most damaging thing you can possibly tell a child. And it is being pushed by cynical hucksters trying to divide the American people to get votes. So what do we have to do? We have to remind people of what is actually going on. And we have to unite people. And this is why Trump is making such a point about the American flag. It's why he's making such a point about the national anthem. He's saying, we have to come together as one nation We have to reject the left, divvying us all up, uh, uh, divvying us all up through lies. We have to come together as one nation, or we will cease to be a nation, and then everything that we love and cherish about this country will fall apart. The the other thing here is what is being pushed on black people by ideologues who think they know what black people want, or or want black people to want what they want is actually not, according to public opinion polls, what black people themselves want in America. There's a new poll Gallup released on Wednesday that found 81% of black people want police spending to remain the same or, or increase in their communities. Now we're told by the elites and the ideologues that black people hate the police, they're being oppressed by the police, they want to defund the police. No more than 4 out of 5 black people according to Gallup, very respected polling firm, actually a little bit left-wing polling firm, wants the same or more funding for the cops. That number compares to 88% for white Americans, 83% for Hispanics, 72% for Asian Americans, and the whole the whole US population on average is 86%. There is a big gap between What people want and what ideologues want people to want. You see this actually beyond the the level of race. You see this when it comes to the COVID lockdown, to the vaccination. We've now been told that you're not allowed to use hydroxychloroquine. You can't treat coronavirus that way, even though many doctors have had success with it. and We've had the drug for a long time. Nancy Pelosi wants us all to smoke pot. She thinks that's going to cure coronavirus. I don't know how that one's going to work. But what we've all been told is you've got to wait for a vaccine. We get the vaccine, then finally we can reopen the country. This is like the fifth version of how we're going to reopen. Remember initially it was slow the spread, 15 days to slow the spread, flatten the curve. We succeeded wildly at doing all of that. And then for some reason, what, that was four months ago at that point, they keep moving the goalposts. Now it's the vaccine. Well, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar is very excited because he can now say, that it's, it's looking very good that we will have a vaccine by the winter, possibly even the fall. But there's still a problem.
2: Well let me talk about vaccine because this has just been the last two weeks Uh, we've seen under President Trump's leadership uh, the most historic advances in the development of vaccines we've ever seen in human history. Uh, The United States now has six vaccines that we've placed major Mm -hmm. investments in. Uh, Four of them have already reported out positive phase one clinical trial results and two of them are already in the advanced final phase three studies. Others will advance there soon. It's really just President Trump has marshaled the whole of the is U.S. government and our biopharmaceutical industry. It's I'm sorry, incredible. I'm short on time. Fall, is that a realistic forecast for a vaccine available to the public? It is very credible that we will have the high tens of millions of doses of FDA gold standard vaccine by the end of this year and many hundreds of millions of doses of vaccine by the beginning of next year.
0: So that's good news. By the end of this year, we're going to have a lot of vaccines. And by the beginning of next year, we'll have even more of the vaccines. There's a problem though, which is that most people aren't going to get it. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a prescriptive sort of thing, as I'm not saying most people shouldn't get the vaccine, I'm just saying most people won't. There's a poll out, it was just undertaken by Yahoo News and YouGov, showed that only 42% of American adults say they will get the coronavirus vaccine. Now that number is actually down, because back in early May, when this poll asked the same question. said they would agree to be vaccinated. That's a big drop in just a couple months. It's a drop of 13 percentage points. What happened? What happened is our public health experts got things wrong and they lied. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it was accidental that they got things wrong. Sometimes it seemed a little more cynical than that. But we cannot trust them because they've been wrong about this virus every step of the way. And worse than that, in their political recommendations, they have lied to us and they've twisted science for their political ends. So they've said, you can go out and protest for BLM and and loot and riot and tear down the country. And that's good, the virus won't spread that way. And by the way, we won't even contact trace you if you go to one of those protests. So go out there and burn down the country all in the name of science. But if you go and, and say you wanna go to church on Sunday, all of a sudden, that's a felony, you know, that's a crime, you could be arrested for doing that. All in the name of science, all in the name of public health, it's BS, so I'm not surprised. The only people who bear blame for, for a majority of Americans not wanting to get vaccinated here are the public health officials, because they've given us no reason to trust them. And, and what the left will say is, well, it's, it's the Republicans fault, it's the conservatives fault that, that they won't get vaccinated. First of all, that's not true. Opposition to vaccines cuts across party lines. If anything, it's more of a left-wing phenomenon than a right-wing phenomenon. But also, if your political strategy cannot accommodate real people living real lives, if your political strategy only exists in this abstract ideological cloud, then it's not much of a political strategy at all. True socialism's never been tried. True social distancing's never been tried. Before we get to the mailbag, I do have to get to one story. We've been talking about how we shouldn't forget things for much of the show. I'd like to give one example at least where it might be worth forgetting things, where we're remembering a little bit too much. This is the downside of big tech and cancel culture. There's a woman, Maddie Ziegler. I had no idea who this person was until I read this news story. Maddie Ziegler is a dancer and an actress. She is currently 17 years old, and she's issued a public apology for offensive comments and jokes that she made in the past. How how far in the past could that be? She's 17 years old. What kind of public apology? I was thinking in my head, I thought, what is she gonna do? She's gonna apologize for comments she made when she was nine? Yes, that's what she's doing. She is a 17 year old girl is now being pressured by the left to make a public apology for comments she made when I kid you not, she was nine years old because she made some videos where I don't know, she made fun of an, an Asian or a Chinese accent or something like that. Like, you know, kids do, you know how kids do that stuff? Kids say silly things and do silly things because they're kids. That's what kids, it's like the definition of kids. Well, she has to make this public apology does raise questions. Why would you want your nine-year-old kid to be on camera, on the internet? That seems like a bad idea. That seems like a recipe for disaster. Just generally, you, you don't want to expose kids to that very young, but, but beyond that, can we not have a little bit of grace for the things that nine-year-olds say? I mean, I guess what, the age of reason is seven, but it's, you know nine is still pretty far below the age of consent. I think in, in many states. 17 is still below the age of consent, so can we not have a little bit of grace for that? No, of course not. Of course we can't. Not in this culture, because no one really cares what a nine-year-old girl said about some Chinese accent or something. No, no one cares. But they want to use it as a cudgel now to intimidate people, to whip them back in line. History is used by the left selectively, like blackmail, like any, like any extortion artist like any blackmailer, like any thug uses against his adversaries. That's, that's not how history should be used. We should not approach history as a, as an, a tool of exploitation. And we should not exploit history from a, a perspective of antagonism. We should approach history for what it is. It's things that happened in the past that might tell us something about the future. Uh, it, we should look at history as something that is complex. We should look at history as something that can give us a guide to the future. And if someone has, for instance, a 50-year career in politics that is highly undignified and is increasingly radical, we should remember that too. And that should play a role in a presidential campaign. But we must approach it in its complexity. You know, you know the craziest story, this maybe is even crazier than the, the Maddie Ziegler story. Another person has been canceled recently, canceled by the University of Buffalo. It's not the president of the university. It's not a dean at the university or a professor. It's not a conservative student. It's Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore, the president from 1850 to 1853, is being canceled because of the compromise of 1850. took a long time for that one to make its way through the, the popular culture, but now here we are. 170 years later, and we're canceling Millard Fillmore for the Compromise of 1850 because that included the Fugitive Slave Act, which now the University of Buffalo recognizes that this remains a deeply hurtful decision, especially for African Americans. Do you think one black guy in this entire country wakes up at night wailing about the Compromise of 1850? No. (laughs) Nobody does. Nobody even remembers the Compromise of 1850, for goodness sakes. This is not a deeply hurtful issue in people's present lives. Nobody remembers who Millard Fillmore is. He's one of the most forgettable presidents in American history. And by the way, in Fillmore's defense, never thought I'd have to utter that statement. In Fillmore's defense, the Compromise of 1850, while many would object to the Fugitive Slave Act, staved off the Civil War for a decade. You would have had a Civil War 10 years earlier. History has complexity to it. History has nuance. But what we have to do, uh, you know, in our leftist culture, is just tear things down, erase it so we can rewrite it according to our own preferences. First they play on forgetfulness, then the left relies on gullibility, naivete, and outright stupidity. I think we, I think we all need to take cognitive tests these days. We got to get to the mailbag. First though, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank all of you for heading on over, subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Uh, head on over. That's, that's also where I check out the comments uh, for the show. So head on over there. Leave some comments. Also, you know, I've been telling you for the past couple days about the all-access membership tier, which is our highest tier of membership. And you get a lot of behind-the-scenes exclusives, things like that. Access to chat with the hosts and the writers. So we had this very cool product, which was a Daily Wire baseball bat made here in America with the Daily Wire logo emblazoned on it. It was, it was uh, in... Uh, association with a great American baseball bat company. Anyway, it's only available to the all access tier and it's already sold out. It's sold out in just two days. So sorry if you didn't get yours. Um, but if you didn't, be sure to sign up for all access right now. You will get not one, but two leftist steers tumblers with your membership. And then you will be eligible for some of these kind of more one-off collectible uh, type products that we're going to be running in the future, which go apparently very quickly. I didn't even get one of these baseball bats, which I'm extremely irritated about. So head on over right now, dailywire.com slash You'll get 20% off all access with coupon code ACCESS. That is dailywire.com slash coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. And then we will be right back with the mailbag. Pour one out from Millard Fillmore. How about that? That's 2020 for you. As, As usual, I'm running tight on time, so let's try to get through as many mailbag questions as possible. From Shannon. Dear Michael of many podcasts, both Nancy Pelosi and Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, referred to federal agents as stormtroopers. Is this a dog whistle I should be wary of? Or are some associations with mass murderers okay? Thanks. No, you shouldn't be worried about that. Because you see, when a democrat openly associates and admires thug killers such as uh, Fidel Castro in the case of Karen Bass or Che Guevara in the case of every liberal dope walking around a college campus with his face on their t-shirt or in the case of using this kind of language it, it doesn't matter that's that's not only is that not a problem but actually Che Guevara is a great guy oh these mass murderers they they were okay we need some nuance here we need some complexity they did some good stuff once but the minute that a conservative even utters the... Let's say they utter the phrase, America first. Well, this is what the left will say. America first. America first. You know who else used that phrase? Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh has had sympathies that could be termed fascistic and was an isolationist in the World Wars. Ah, you're a fascist, you're a Nazi. That's what they'll tell you. It takes like seven degrees to get to that point. But that's what they will tell you. I, I'm always amazed when the left talks about how they're hearing all of these dog whistles that none of the rest of us are hearing. You know, if you're hearing dog whistles, that means that you're a dog. You're, that's, it says a lot more about you, a lot more about the person hearing them than about uh, the people who are being accused of using them. From Lisa, what is the difference between a cult and a religion, but besides size and hippie clothes? <laughs> I'm a Catholic and a friend asked me this and I wasn't sure how to respond. I said it had to do with misdirected worship, but I feel like there is more to it. Thanks. Well, it's, the, the term cult is used in, in different ways. I mean, you, could, you, hear, you can hear of cults even within religions, and the, the word cult derives from the same word that culture derives from. It derives from the same word that agriculture derives from, this idea of cultivating something within yourself, and it has a relationship, obviously, to worship. So w- we use cult in an almost exclusively negative sense, and then religion in a positive sense. But really what we're talking about here is true religion and false religion. And cults are false religions, as we we use the term today. Even if you are to say that there is such a thing as true religion and false religion, you you will be ostracized from polite liberal society, because we're all supposed to pretend that all religions are exactly the same, and you know, man, it's like we're all just grabbing different parts of the elephant, man, and one guy grabs the leg, and he thinks that it's a tree, you know, and one guy grabs the, the trunk, and he thinks it's a fire hose, you know, and one guy, gra- but really, man, we're all grabbing the same religion, you know? oh man, this is really helping my coronavirus, thanks Nancy Pelosi, and th- that just isn't the case. Religions m- make claims, and those claims are true or they're false, and those claims cannot be true and false at the same time. So to give an example, C- Christianity says that Christ is the second person of the blessed trinity, the incarnate son of God, who, is, who from the very beginning was with God and was God and is God, right, because he is alive and he's resurrected from the dead, literally, and then ascends into heaven. Those are all claims. Those are either true or false. Islam, which it, it can be viewed historically as a, a Christian heresy that splits off after Muhammad encountered a, a heretical Christian monk named Bahira and developed a, a system of a Christian heresy that denies the divinity of Christ and denies the resurrection for that matter, denies the, the crucifixion even, that makes different claims. And. Those can't simultaneously be true. There's nothing offensive about saying that some things are true and some things are false. We do this in politics all the time, right? We say this, this is true and this is false. We do this as matters of history all the time. We do this as matters of philosophy all the time. I guess the way that we do it in our modern culture is we talk about science because science has now taken on this uh, sort of idolized status. And so we say science is precise, but everything else is not precise. Science is right or wrong, true or false. But everything else, it's just your opinion, man. Well, opinions are statements of fact, as we see it. And those statements of fact are true or false. So I think the real difference we're talking about here is true religion and false religion. And I would recommend pursuing true religion. From Jeremy. Howdy, Mostly Peaceful Podcaster Knowles. Reclaiming my time. I have a terrible problem that I must get your advice on. It's about cigars. So you know this is a very serious situation. They give me migraines, Michael, migraines on the level of which only a mouse with very sensitive hearing trapped in AOC's apartment would understand. Reclaiming my time. (laughs) What is a brand that may not hurt this strong man with weak sinus cavities? P.S. You may now go to the bathroom. Wow. That was an amazing, I, I felt like I was actually back in that Democratic congressional hearing. Just the way that all, that was really, really beautifully done. I'm sorry that cigars give you migraines. Uh, you got to toughen up, pal. I'm sorry to tell you that. I'm someone who, you know, has sinus issues as well. Uh, but you just, I think maybe you're smoking them wrong. I get i get migraines all the time. But something that might happen is you, you could get a little bit sick, you know, maybe a headache if you smoke on an empty stomach or if you're smoking cigars that are a little too full-bodied or too strong, uh, you know, for where you are right now. So I would start off with something a little bit lighter. Also, you could get Cigar, uh, get migraines and headaches if you're smoking low quality cigars. So you, you should just smoke higher quality cigars. Even if they're stronger, you, they'll, they'll go easier on you. Um, some, some cigars are a little harsh in particular. Um, Domin- Dominican tobacco can be kind of harsh. Cuban tobacco is not harsh at all, it's really soft and smooth. Connecticut shade tobacco is a little bit lighter too. So you might try Connecticut wrappers. Uh, in terms of lower, kind of lower shelf but very high quality cigars, Cusano 18, Nub, Cane, Oliva, all make uh, Connecticut varietals. And that Connecticut Shade wrapper I think will maybe help you out. I I love Connecticut Shade tobacco. From Michael. Hey, Michael. I'm trying to learn more about our country's history and was wondering if you had any recommendations. I'm currently reading The Federalist, but I don't know what to jump to next. Thanks so much. Oh, The Federalist is just a a tremendous place to start and, and will tell you a lot about our constitutional system. I would recommend reading some of these popular history books. I've recommended them on the show before. David McCulloch's 1776 and Nathaniel Philbrick's Mayflower. I-, I think those two books, are they're really readable. They read like novels, but they really give you a sense, a wonderful sense of the, that founding era. You can also check out uh, Ron Chernow's Washington and Hamilton biographies. Those are good, too. Obviously, more more tailored to those individual men. But 1776 tells you a lot about the American Revolution in a wonderful way. And the Mayflower tells you about the the first founding of America back, back with the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock. All right. From Jared. Dear Michael, in episode 591... You asked if anyone in the world thinks New York City doesn't think that black lives matter. I personally don't think New York City cares about black lives, nor does their incompetent mayor, because if they did care about black lives, they'd be sending officers to save black lives from shootings rather than sending them to protect Marxist murals on the streets. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's true. You know, they, I would say these leftist politicians care about black lives in the way that bad mothers care about their children, in that, you know, good mothers care about their children. Bad mothers care about their own fantasy of their children. You, you see the difference. They care about their children in, in as much as it serves their own preferences about their children, what they want their children to want, how they want their children to be, how they imagine that their children are. Not the real person, just this kind of fantasy in, in the mother's mind. And we all, we, We've all met mothers who, who are like this to their children. That's the same way the leftist politicians are. We talked about this earlier on in the show. Four out of five black people in America want more police funding, or at least the same amount of police funding in their neighborhoods. BLM doesn't care about that, and the leftist politicians, and even some Republican ones who are are bending the knee to BLM, don't care about that either. There's a big gap between what the people want and what the ideologues want the people to want. And, you know, unfortunately, if you're, if all you care about is this fantasy of, of the other person in your mind, then, then you don't really love them at all. You're not, you don't really will the good of the other. You will the good of this, this imaginary contrivance in your own head. That's it. We run out of time as always. We have more questions to get to. We'll have to wait until next week. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical Producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant Director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those